Red leather, yellow leather, red leather, yellow leather, red leather, yellow leather, red leather, red yellow leather, yellow leather, red leather, yellow leather, red leather, yellow leather, red 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 leather, What's the point? So humble. I love it. It's another like stupid story that doesn't make any sense. Now I know Fred Flintstone, classic character. You the man. Deal with it. Hey, everybody. Hey. Hey. Uh, uh, hey. This is episode nine of Watch and Talk. And this week we're talking about an episode called The Short List. It starts with a previously on read by CJ, and she's a third timer already. How did you know it was CJ? I couldn't tell if it was CJ, the First Lady, or Margaret. Previously on the West Wing. I, hmm. um, I don't know. Maybe it was. Margaret. Um, I yeah, really had no idea. not even a Margaret. Margaret is Leo's no. secretary. They all sound the same to you, don't they? I think it was CJ. Let wow. Me... These women. These women. It was one of those women. <laughs> um, but see, if it is CJ, she's a third timer before anybody else is even a second timer. So I thought it was the siege. She's Runaway the best lead. Voice. I did think it was the siege. Uh, it starts off with a title card called Monday Morning, and it's kind of setting up the time frame of the episode. It's going to be divided into days. And then there's CJ and Josh waiting on the phone, and they're super stoked about something. And they're like, something's up. They're excited. They're waiting for an answer. They finally uh, get it, and they get, like, really, really excited. Uh, if you'll sit by the phone for a few minutes, you can expect a call from the president. Thank you again. We did it! It is done! It's done! And we learned shortly afterward that some guy accepted a nomination to the Supreme Court, which already seems super weird to me. Like, is that a hard thing to give away? Um, it seems like I, I mean, I'm it's a open to appointment. it. It's a pretty big deal. But wouldn't any judge yeah. jump at that opportunity? They lobby for it almost, yeah, right? I, I don't really think any any judge doesn't have that as their end goal. If if you're not a judge, and sometimes they do nominate people who aren't a judge, like my favorite was Harriet Myers. You remember Harriet Myers? Oh, yeah. Bush's like crony. In-house counsel. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So for for people like that, I think it might actually kind of take them by surprise. And they're like, oh, I kind of had plans, but uh, okay. But for, yeah, any judge... You don't think Harriet had that planned? No. That no. wasn't on her list? Definitely not. Hmm. Not like until... I, I was just wondering. Until she started thought, hanging out with, with George Harriet. W. Bush and yeah. realized that he would basically do whatever you told mm-hmm. him to do if you like smiled and stared into his eyes. She does a good job. So yeah, this should peg this guy's trouble right away, that they had to convince him to be nominated to the Supreme Court. Well, uh, also, we sort of learned that he kind of has a pedigree later that's really good, so he probably has a lot of other opportunities in life to be a very wealthy person outside of the Supreme Court. So I yeah, guess it's possible. you're sort of giving up money as well. Okay, but he's... Also, also, sorry, excuse me, but I'm going to go first. Also, <laughs> you know shit ain't going to go right because they're like really into it. They're like so happy. That's like the first sign. Yeah. Josh is taking like, credit. He's pounding his he's, chest. He's celebrating. He's man, yeah. which they love to say on the show. And they fist pump. Were they saying the men or the man? Both. Who demand? We demand. We demand. Originally, they do it depending on like authentically. You demand. <laughs> they're like, you, you demand. demand. Yeah. And then uh, they're like, we're the men. Which one of you is the man? On this one, we'd like to think of ourselves collectively as the men. Yeah, oh my once, God. Once Did, the president was there an gets era where it was okay to say that? Like, we're the men? Well, or? no, it's, it's you we, the man. It's not so much we don't say what that you're anymore, saying right? is how you say it, but we don't do that. 
We don't do the you demand, right? Not well, anymore. That I don't was like, cool. Before. I don't like to try to do things that that I don't think I can do well. Yeah, you couldn't pull off a you demand. Probably not. Yeah, none you of do these like nerds the in the show can either. Th- you would do the you the you're you are you sir are um, the man. Miss like, Landingham pulls it off, I think. You demand. Miss Landingham's totally a rapping granny in this yeah. episode. <laughs> Um, before they even do that, though, there's a quick scene with Donna, and she says to Josh... Wait, what? Don't you want to know about the banging in your office? The banging in my office? They've been at it all morning. Banging? Yeah. I don't know what you're talking about. I watched the scene again. There is banging in the background of the scene the entire Same. time, and I did not hear it. Yes. It's like that, that video of the like gorilla walking through the scene. It's like a, it's called um, a selective attention test, <laughs> and it totally worked on me. I think they were just yeah. performing like a mass psychological experiment in this I episode. I was just as excited about whatever phone call that CJ and Josh were on as they were, and I didn't realize the banging was happening just I like ju- Josh didn't. I think there. I just thought there was street work going. You on. heard the banging I mean, though. Yeah, but I had. You Do you know, think it's because we live in New York? We're I was just so like, yeah. <laughs> there's just something going on outside. But yeah. the thing is, like, Noise we we know that immune. Josh is such a like a sexual icon that there's probably a lot of banging going on in his office on a regular basis. Hi yo, <laughs> like sex. I love how frequently you refer it. to how like cute and attractive Bradley Whitford is. Well, that's beyond dispute. But I'm talking <laughs> about how they originally had plans to make like josh's character be like you know they definitely lightened up on that they bailed on that pretty quickly it's it's sam now mm-hmm. heartthrob everybody's just really really happy they are amazed that this guy accepted this nomination and then they go into leo's office for the senior staff meeting mandy's in there she congratulates them they start plotting out their strategy to get the votes they're gonna bring in the members of the senate who have to vote for him they're talking about the press strategy CJ does a funny thing where she sneaks up on Leo. From both sides. And CJ, you should... Where is CJ? Right here. Sorry. You should wear a bell around your neck, you know that? Thank you. <laughs> um, I guess that's a compliment. Yeah. No. He's I mean, cat-like like, and graceful. Part-time ninja, maybe, yeah. is the implication. Well, uh, Toby's in charge of like the press rollout, and he just wants to make sure that they vet him thoroughly. Sam is going to write the president's speech. He's going to write this other guy's speech. Uh, Sam's getting more responsibility, it seems like. They're giving him more and more stuff to do and then like no leaks cj no leaks if the name of this nominee is leaked out before i want it to be leaked out i'm gonna blame you and you're gonna find that unpleasant i've got to tell you something toby you're hot when you're like this and then um toby just kind of yells into the ether i am gonna put harrison on the court i swear to god i am this is really toby's like time to shine which I think is great. And I like that he's delegating to everybody and it had such a good vibe to the whole scene that they're all working together towards this thing. Yeah, it's more uh, in charge of something than we've seen Toby before, I think. Yeah, this so, is his time and maybe, maybe it goes to his head a little later. Yeah. I'm a little confused about the difference between Mandy's role and Toby's role in this sort of like reaction to the Harrison nomination. I think Toby is in charge of the broadest possible interpretation of the strategy and mandy's in charge of the media rollout specifically like she's like plotting the press conference she's like planning the actual events but toby's making sure like the message is going to be on point too it just seems like they are still unsure what mandy does because if toby's the communications director you would expect mandy to work like in the same building as him (laughs) maybe i think she's more she executes things more whereas toby is 
Toby has control over everyone and what they are doing. Okay. And Mandy is just sort of like a minion that is making it happen, you know, hmm. like everyone else is. So is Mandy, Mandy, Mandy's not really senior staff, I guess. I, I don't think so. No. Yeah. She's, I don't think she even technically like works for the government, they said at one point. She's a <laughs> consultant. Right. Donna comes in after uh, Toby dispatches everybody and she like almost kisses Josh. Did you guys notice that? She like swoops up to his face and gets within like an inch of it and then pulls back and starts saying something. It's really kind of awkward. <laughs> she gives us an update on the noise that's coming out of Josh's office. It's a maintenance crew, which I, that would obviously it's a maintenance crew. Like what else would be making that noise? <laughs> and then they give like an expo dump on the nominee, like an exposition dump. Peyton Cabot Harrison III. He sounds like he should be a Supreme Court justice. It's a good name. Phillips Exeter, Princeton Rhodes Scholar, Harvard Law Review, for which he was, oh yeah, the editor. Did I mention that he was dean of Harvard Law School? Did I mention that his father was attorney general to Eisenhower? Peyton Cabot Harrison III. That's right. Jewish fella? <laughs> Donna. Uh, it's pretty funny in that scene. She's on point this episode for sure. Um, she says something funny to Josh that he's, you know, thinking this confirmation is going to go really smoothly. And she says, this is like a tongue twister, so I might screw it up. But there's many a slip twixt the tongue and the wrist. There's many a slip twixt the tongue and the wrist, Josh. And I was like, what the hell does that even mean? <laughs> what and does it mean? So it's sort of like don't count your chickens before they hatch sort of phrase. Say it again. It's... There me- there's many a slip twixt the tongue and the wrist. Do it again faster. Nope, though. not faster. Many a slip between the tongue. Twixt. Betwixt twixt, bro. The tongue twixt. and the twixt. Yeah, the twixt, <laughs> the tongue and the wrist. And it's actually, I looked it up and the original phrase is, there's many a slip twixt the cup and the lip. I hmm. don't know if that, that makes weirder. any more sense. That one's really? worse. It's just intention and, and that- action. Yeah. Well, the cup and the lip kind of makes sense, like you're drinking something or eating something. Is that from the Shakespeare? I, it, some sort of like some very complicated. It, it was very strange, I thought, and a real tongue twister. So like she nailed that line. Good for her. <laughs> and then Josh is like, everything's going to be fine. And then... Then the ceiling falls. Well, she says a thing... Please don't get your hopes up. Why should I get my hopes up? Because when it doesn't work out, you end up drunk in my apartment in the middle of the night and you yell at my roommate's cats. Right? I thought that was so Inap- weird. Inappropriate. <laughs> Very inappropriate. Crossing a line maybe a little. Um, and then Josh almost gets killed by part of the roof because it falls on his uh, desk. I love his reaction where he just looks and he's like, well, okay. <laughs> One happened. time um, I woke up when the, my ceiling fell in my face as I was sleeping. Are you serious? Yeah. Was it like? It was so gross. It was so awful. <laughs> like it was all in my mouth, and 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 gritty and foul. It was like there what was kind some of water ceiling? damage. I don't. It was this kind that goes above your head. <laughs> oh, hmm. that kind. While you sleep. Um, that's, that's scary. Awful. Yeah. <laughs> and also very funny to imagine. <laughs> Sorry. Brandon. And and then they finally have the titles. And this is definitely the longest pre-title sequence. Um, it's The titles don't start until six minutes into this episode. It was really good, too. It was like they get right into it. There's yeah. so much exposition. There's, what, ten characters in the yeah. first scene? It was really, really good. And then after the titles, they, uh, they have a scene with Bartlett and the retiring judge. His name is Crouch. Great name. Joseph Crouch. And... The, they're very like guarded around each other. They're quiet. They're trying not to like. Bartlett doesn't want to give away who his nominee is. You're gonna go with Harrison. He's on the short list. Yeah. 
Yeah. With how many other names? We'll make our announcement on Thursday. Crouch wants this guy Mendoza. Did you even consider Mendoza? Mendoza was on the short list. Mendoza was on the short list so you could show you had an Hispanic on the short list. He, he says, You ran great guns in the campaign. It was an insurgency, boy, a sight to see. And then you drove to the middle of the road the moment after you took the oath. Which is, I, I guess that's pretty common yeah. complaint people have with presidents. <laughs> yeah, especially Democrats, I think, is they're always, people say they're always like meeting in the middle, you know? Yeah, before. Crouch gets in a pretty nasty dig. He calls him just a long line painted yellow. Down the center of the road. And he says, I want, I waited like five years to retire because I wanted a Democrat. I wanted a Democrat. <laughs> and instead I got you. Yeah. That's yeah, a, real burn. It really puts a... Uh, Bartlett in his place, I think. Yeah, he, like, he's really he's uncomfortable. Quiet, yeah. And it's also interesting to see the dynamic where normally everybody's like Mr. President and very respectful, but this is a Supreme Court justice, which sort of Yeah, and like a really old guy, he just doesn't give a fuck anymore. Yeah, you can't he can't really like pull rank on him. So I mean I guess he could, but he doesn't because that would be weird. But Yeah, uh, they cut outside and they're obviously gonna have a press conference soon. There's like a podium set up and it's on the Supreme Court courthouse steps. And as soon as they like say Mendoza, they cut to this and they show a title card that says Edward James Olmos as Mendoza. And it's like pretty obvious. <laughs> like this oh, guy's going to be totally important. Miss that. It's like I've heard of that name yeah. before. It's like the thing they did with Dulé Hill in the first episode. Right. They show him. It's kind like, of spoilery. Oh, he's going to be a, a thing in this episode. And then Danny and CJ, like Danny already knows he's going to be the nominee. He asks uh, her out again. Uh, no, he doesn't ask her out in this part. I thought he did too. Wait. CJ brings it up first. Why, why, oh why do you ask me questions that you absolutely positively know I'm not going to answer? It's a good conversation starter. I can't go out on a date with you, Danny. I'm going to ask you. Okay. Oh. And then he's like, <laughs> no, I was just asking you. <laughs> um, yeah, I think he's actually like, I have, a, I have a theory that he's like running like a weird like seduction game on her <laughs> to like get her to leak information inadvertently. <laughs> oh. I think he's running the trying to have sex with her game. Oh, yeah. That one, too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Classic game. Yeah. Good old game. Uh, they go back inside to the meeting, and Bartlett, like, really just wants to get out of the room. He's like, we should just go have this press conference. Yeah, and the guy's like, sit, sit down, young man. But I am right. I've served on this bench for 38 years. I took my seat the year you began college. And then I think he continues to ream out Bartlett for not being progressive enough and Bartlett blames the media that I have the following things to negotiate an opposition Congress special interest with power beyond belief and a bitchy media yeah making excuses so did Harry Truman well I am not Harry Truman Mr. Bartlett you needn't point out that fact yeah he's he just lays into the president he's like does not, not like him yeah, yeah. But come on, Bartlett. Pretty, oh, and then Bar cool, though, and then Bartlett has like the worst comeback in the world. He's like, "You, you, sir, are no Harry Truman." And then Bartlett goes, "It's Doctor Bartlett." Right? <laughs> like, come uh, on, he calls man. Calls him Mister. He's not showing him any respect. Uh, yeah, still though. That's like, the most. Oh no, y'all pull. underestimated P pulling, me like, again. Pulling the doctor card though. This yeah. is a pretty realistic in interpretation of. He's not a medical doctor. <laughs> <laughs> he has. I mean, he does have a Nobel Prize. He didn't whip that out, did he? 
No. <laughs> he held that back. <laughs> but I mean, this is, this is like how typically Democrats feel or seem to react when they get criticized from the left. Like they kind of just flounder and they're like, no, you don't understand. There's you know, practical realities here. And, you know. Also, I think this character, uh, Crouch, is supposed to be Justice Blackman, who was appointed by Nixon, so you'd expect him to be kind of conservative, but he ended up becoming one of the most liberal justices on the Supreme Court. Nixon's like the secret liberal. Oh, he. I think Nixon also appointed Stevens, who was also like a huge liberal. In the and court. like signed the EPA. Yeah. I mean, he was a notorious anti-Semite amongst many other things, but whatever. Classic <laughs> Can't liberal. Can't wait <laughs> But uh, so Blackman was like super liberal. He authored the opinion in Roe v. Wade and uh, Clinton had to replace him when he retired from the bench and he replaced him with Ruth Bader Ginsburg, which ended up being, I guess, a good replacement. Good pick. Classic pick. This is the first time I think we've seen Bartlett like really owned in a conversation. Like he he does not make any valid points here. Really. <laughs> he just he gets put in his place completely. Uh, I so don't know. That, he ends it. He's like, all right. Let's just start your retirement. Yeah, I guess he... He's like, I'm the president, so you're done. Right, and this is already in motion. Like, you're already out of the door, so I don't really need to listen to you. Say say whatever you want, Grandpa. I'm the president. Then they have a Danny and CJ scene outside again, like when they're about to start the press conference. And this time he actually asked her out. (laughs) (laughs) they, They went one scene without him asking her out. What did she go up to that podium and then walks away? Yeah, that was weird. Uh, He... (laughs) You know, they have a walk and talk and then <laughs> they have a press conference set up. She goes right to the podium and then leaves. And she looks like she realized something kind of. Yeah. And, yeah. I thought maybe there that. was sort of a time this was supposed to start and the president is still talking to the oh, maybe. judge. So maybe she's like, OK, now we're doing this. Oh, they're not here yet. I guess not. Like a psych. But yeah, it's kind of a walk and talk to nowhere. They go back into the White House and Josh and Donna are marveling at josh almost getting killed josh is like pretty freaked about it he's can't get, kind of let it up, let it go and then he says that he wishes if, if anybody's gonna get hit it should have been donna yeah that's weird yeah they, they get really morbid with each other in this one you should be nice to me i could be dead you know i don't have that kind of luck it's a weird little game they have with each other yeah it's typical flirtatious nagging <laughs> See, uh, well we know uh from later in the episode that josh and danny are friends <laughs> So they have like game tricks that they run with each other. <laughs> Mandy comes into the office. Mandy's worried about this guy, Peter Lillianfield, that's going to have a press conference, which is one of the better Sorkin names we've had in a while. Mm-hmm. And they're just worried about what he's going to talk about. But Josh doesn't think it's a big deal. Then they go to Toby and Sam. They're t- talking about Sam's speech uh, that he's going to he's trying to write for this introduction. He They foreshadow a little of the problem that later in this episode that He's never taken a position on Roe or had a, any rulings on abortion, which is kind of like at the center of like the privacy debate in terms of constitutional stuff. He turns on the press conference. Gone are the days of the best and the brightest. Stained, I believe, are the legacies of the great White House staffers. Names like Schlesinger, Sorens, and Rumsfeld, and Persons have been replaced by a roster of Ivy League liberals and Hollywood darlings. One in three of who, one in three, use drugs on a regular basis. And in K-12 
case there should be any confusion about my meaning, I'm not talking about aspirin or decongestants. Toby and CJ, like, over the phone, like, freak out collectively. They have a big senior staff meeting with, like, everybody. I, I just want to say, a second before he, he talks about the drugs, he's saying, oh, you know, they don't make uh, White House staff like they used to. No more Rumsfelds. <laughs> mm -hmm. Oh, interesting. So, what he was for Nixon earliest? Probably. Yeah, or Ford. Uh, maybe. That would have been after. I don't know. Uh, I, the good th old I think days. he was a staffer in with Nixon. Yeah. Hmm. That's interesting. Yeah, I, I, I did catch that, but I didn't uh, look up all the names. That's, that's well, a doozy. Now we know those people exist. Yeah. <laughs> in this universe. I, I'm surprised Rumfield's not kicking around in the, this Washington anymore then. And yeah, in this big meeting, like half the people... Basically, everybody with a media job is freaked out about it, and then everybody with, with like a policy or speechwriting job thinks it's like no big deal. Five White House staffers in the room. I would like to say to the 1.6 of you who are stoned right now that it's time to share. <laughs> this isn't funny, Josh. CJ and Mandy are like, we we can't blow it off because they they kind of have this like scenario that they run through of like how the story is going to escalate, which seems pretty believable. Leo assigns josh to like start an investigation into it and josh really thinks that they shouldn't even bother with it they can say they're going to but they don't they shouldn't actually do it and then on his way out um leo does this weird hand signal to toby did you guys see that no he goes I, i'll try to describe he like puts his arms out and he puts his fingers in he goes toby and then he makes like a big loop with his arms and then he like points into himself what and then toby that? nods <laughs> it doesn't make any sense he points to himself. He goes, it's like he's kind of like pointing his fingers at each other, making like a big loop with his arms. Huh. And he's pointing his index fingers in. And he, he does that once. And Toby like affirms. <laughs> I don't get it. I don't get it either. Cir circling the wagons, maybe? Or like. Give yourself a hug. Like, you just, let's hug. Let's hug, hug it out. Like a mental know. hug. Let's touch I'm me. hugging <laughs> you. Like right now we're hugging in our in our heads together. Look, we're hugging each other. I don't know what this could mean. Like, Sexually? Is he, is he trying to meet his two fingers? Like, <laughs> he can't touch them. Like, like finish the thing we it's started. It's something. I, I think maybe he means it's time to circle the wagons. It's time to do that. And it, let's not like tests. let the media. Oh, that's the signal for drug tests. That's the pokes. <laughs> is it like. Do the pokes. Like, is he like making a circle? Like wrap it up or, you know. I don't know. I'll have to put a I'll put a gif on the Twitter account, but like it's it's really weird. <laughs> it's it's sort of interesting now that I think about it cuz toward the end of the episode, a spoiler alert, uh they talk to this Mendoza guy. We'll get to it. But anyway, Toby's talking to him and in the question that they ask is about this privacy issue or about drug drug tests. Mm -hmm. And once he gives the answer, Toby's like, "I'm cool with this guy." Well, yeah, I mean, it's been something that's been, like, hanging over their head all day. So it reaffirms that he's, like, a good guy, like the, the good guys on the staff are. Everybody but Leo goes out to the communications pen, and they're trying to figure out how to deal with this, like, drugs charge thing. Um, Mandy says a really gross thing. Lillianfield is walking on our stage, and he's not going to get off until he gets off, is what I'm saying. And then, like, winks at Toby. Oh, is that what she meant by that? Definitely what she meant. <laughs> My pure mind. Mm. I didn't even think that. <laughs> Sam has five cartons of papers to read by this guy, uh, that their their potential nominee to like finish the vetting process, and then Toby like orders Josh to investigate to do this investigation, and Josh really doesn't want to, and then Toby 
uh, kind of loses his mind on him a little bit. We've been doing this for a year, and all we've gotten is a year older. Our job approval is 48%, and I think that number's soft, and I'm tired of being a field captain for the gang that couldn't shoot straight. We're getting this done. I, I don't know what the org chart exactly looks like, but I never got the impression that Toby was the one in charge, but he, he seems to think he is. Well, I think Leo kind of like put him in charge of this. You know? Oh, I guess so. He's power temporarily. Because well, this is like a part of still getting the nomination through and not clouding up the media coverage with this other issue. So it's just like, get rid of it. Yeah, I guess Josh doesn't have another thing to do right now and everybody else is a little slammed. Yeah, he's supposed to be re-vetting the person they've been vetting for two months. After that, they show Sam and it's like really, it's late at night. Sam's obviously been reading, like his whole office is covered in these papers and he gets a phone call. Hello, this is Sam Seaborn. His first thing is like, I'm not a cop. What's your name? I'm not a cop. What's your name? I thought that was so strange. Yeah, like, uh, why would he think he was a cop? He called you. So we find out that this guy, the person who calls has some sort of um, damning paper that Harrison has written. Yeah, they keep it like a suspenseful thing for a couple scenes. Yeah, so but like, so in that context, though, why would it matter if someone is a cop? Well, he's he's making sure he's not. That, that's how you get out of entrapment. Uh, but if you ask a law enforcement officer if they are a law enforcement officer and they lie to you, that helps you to establish entrapment. But what could be entrapment here? What can he be? Entrapment? He called him. Yeah, he called his office. Yeah, he just wants to make sure that his calls aren't being screened or whatever. But what's he doing? That's illegal. Yeah, I mean, it if turns a, out if a cop is tapping a line and you say, "Are you a cop?" into the line, do they have to like? No. Give away the tap and then no. say yes. No, it's because entrapment's like if Hi. you're actively encouraging someone to do something illegal, you're and they and you lie about the fact that you're law enforcement, then you've been entrapped because they're inducing you through fraud. But yeah, the, he's not really doing anything illegal here. But In, that's the only reason I can come up with for why that conversation happens. I so I you know didn't remember what happened in this scene, and I immediately was like, this is somewhat. This is related to the drug thing. That's what I thought. Yeah, that's, they imply that. Um, yeah. When he when he goes into Toby's office later, he's like, I, I got a call last night. He's like, about the drug thing? Yeah, but it's not. So yeah. I, don't, I think maybe it's just trying to mislead the audience. Yeah, a little bit. Um, they do keep the a mystery around that one. Uh, they show Leo and Bartlett first before they get too deep into that one. Um, they're super confident and like stoked. A quick confirmation is going to be good for us. Ritter says we'll get unanimous approval out of committee and 90 votes in the Senate. That's a blowout, Leo. Mm-hmm. Just what the doctor ordered. Um, he has Charlie send him some cigars and perfume. Uh, and then he says through back channels. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, and then Leo's like, they're going to stake the hotels. Gifts coming from the White House. back channels. It's cool. I'm doing it through back We're channels. We're doing back channels. They're, they're going to keep Bartlett out of this Lillianfield uh, drug accusation thing bartlett brings up mendoza again just like setting the scene that he's he's like, got some second thoughts yeah he's had some second thoughts so leo tells him you know don't worry like we already decided on harrison don't worry about it and then like the next scene almost he's asks the same question to toby yeah and also asks about the lillian field thing which he just asked leo about it's like the same scene happens but with toby yeah yeah toby's also like you don't want anyone anything to do with this right yeah, Sam comes in with this paper. So I'm, I want to try to establish the timeline of this. Sam, it was overnight Monday. So this is Tuesday morning, right? Right. And then so Sam comes in. They have a problem. They don't really say what's in the note. It's uh, it's building up some suspense. It's the unsigned note. Right. Is that a thing? Did you? So I've never heard of that before in my life. Because Toby's 
knows what uh, that is. Yeah, Toby is like offended that Sam right. thinks he might not know what it is. It's called an unsigned note. Every member of law review is required to prepare one. It's like an article. Unsigned note is. People do notes where there it's like you're publishing law review or some other publication in a, at a, by a law school and some students will put notes that are like addenda to articles they're publishing by a professor or maybe just like some kind of short article that's not related to the topic of any big article but i've never heard of them being unsigned maybe some people sometimes they do that but that's not like a thing yeah they definitely made it seem like it was a thing though mm-hmm. I assumed it was a thing. And then Sam like explains for the audience what the what it is. It's like, what is it? He didn't sign it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's unsigned. There's like it's a, a note that slightly co- more complicated explanation. Yeah. Forty or so pages, well researched, footnoted, and revised with faculty supervision, then it's published without the names. Without the names, it's scholarly work. Yeah, like they explain a note, and then they don't really address the unsigned part. But you know, it's unsigned. Yeah, it's cool. Toby has that funny thing. He's like, "How do we know Harris?" Toby, what? I'm supposed to just trust the guy on the phone? Uh, there's a Josh and Donna scene after that, uh, where they're kind of talking about the drug test, and Donna's like, "Yeah, I know people who do drugs, of course." She's she's kind of like impressed with him that he is like blowing off the investigation. You know anybody around here who uses drugs? Yes. You want to tell me who they are? No. Good for you. Consider yourself interviewed. You're a good boy, Josh. There's a there's some bantering about the uh like. She has parking tickets because he's looked at her records. Did they do sex? Seems like there was banging in their office. (laughs) (laughs) Um, No, I don't think they have. Um, It's it's a it's a Sam and Diane thing. (laughs) Jason's thing was funny. (laughs) (laughs) They have a nice bonding moment. I think this is like the closest we've seen them. They almost kissed earlier. (laughs) They were uh, adjacent to banging. (laughs) <laughs> and um and now they're bonding over uh not not being cool with drug tests but they go into josh's office but mandy's you know waiting is cool with drug tests she's a narc man <laughs> we have everyone take a drug test and be done with it yeah. she's like drug test everybody fire all the people on drugs yeah let's weed them out like, yeah. i cannot i don't understand how like how they wrote all these characters so inconsistent from a political point of view right because mandy is like the liberal heart of the show over the past couple episodes and now suddenly she's like fuck everyone toby too to- oh, to- well toby has at least consistently for the past few episodes been kind of uh expedient draconian about things yeah. but now all of a sudden mandy too yeah it's really a, there's a ton of inconsistencies and this, this is like the first episode where sam is the most lion-hearted liberal of the senior staff josh too Sam and Josh are both great in this episode. Yeah, Josh totally do, does drugs. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> he makes yeah. uh, potato bombs. Yeah, exclusively yeah. from root vegetables. And the thing he does with his jaw all the time, come on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> definitely smoking out Yeah, of these guys thing. never sleep. Something is up there. Mm-mm. Yeah. Uh, there's a CJ press conference. Uh, they're all asking about, like, the drug thing. Um, I guess it's, that's a juicy story, I guess. Yeah. And she's like playing whack-a-mole with all of them. Is there any reason to believe that White House staffers regularly use illegal drugs? For those who didn't understand me the first nine times, we are looking into this. Stop asking. They ask if she does drugs. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then on the way out, she tells like her assistant or some random assistant like the set fire to the room on the way out danny comes backstage uh he never asked I, he hasn't asked a question in a press conference well he asked that one to like 
clear the tension. Yeah, the clear the tension. Like he doesn't ask him when they're like having a bad press conference. He just goes back and gets private time with the press secretary. He's got a very special relationship with the the press secretary. He with tells the White House staff in general. Yeah. And also, I th- we I think either learn later or it's been mentioned that Danny has been reporting on the White House since even before this administration. So he's really comfortable there. He says that the way that she answered the question was like a blunder because they're going to like take it out of context because she used the word subpoena. And then he he said he kind of asks kind of a date type thing. There's a basketball team called the New York Knickerbockers who are playing in town tomorrow. I don't have time to go to a basketball game. Neither do I. Which is why I thought we could watch it in your office. Well, I explain it to you in a patronizing manner because I know that's something women usually like. That's another word that they, an internet word they could have coined here. Like last week they could have said frenemies. Right. And then this week they could have invented mansplaining. He says, do you want me to patronizingly explain a sports game to you? Yeah, not only is he inappropriately harassing CJ, but that is the worst date. Yeah, yeah. that sounds awful. Not even... Not even to go to see the sports thing, but to watch it and then he'll talk to you about it. Yeah, not oh a my good God. move when you're like trying to convince someone desperately to go on a date with you. Yeah, let's do How this about, thing let's you're gonna hate, and then let me be like a dick to you. Yeah, time. and he's assuming CJ doesn't know basketball. Right, I think CJ w- would know a thing or two. I think basketball. I thought we were calling her the siege. The siege. <laughs> yeah, she's really tall too. Yeah. So I'm yeah, sure this she- is the scene where I picked up. Uh, I think he's nagging CJ here. Yeah, <laughs> as a as a pickup thing. Yeah, my note it says Danny is a seduction community elder. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. Uh, and then as um they do like a funny because she she as a, there's a throwaway line halfway through where she says she forgot her notebook, so they make a turn and they just end up making one giant loop and they end up back in the press room so she can grab her notebook off the podium and then she leaves and then Josh comes in and he's like. They set up a thing at the end of the Mandy scene where she's like, you need to go talk to whoever you talk to to like figure out what's going on. And apparently that person is Danny. <gasps> that was really surprising to me because I just can't believe Danny is like the one who like right. knows everything. He's like the Oracle. Yeah. The White House. Yeah. CJ has He's a little bit throat. of that with him, too. So, OK, so here, here's where the timeline problems start to come into this episode. This has been this seemingly is like the morning, right? Sam was there overnight. He had his like call in the middle of the night and he came back and it was the morning and he showed the paper to Toby. They had this press conference right after that. Josh comes in. Danny says, why don't you walk me to my car? And then they go outside and it's the middle of the night. (laughs) It's like they skip a whole day and they like they try to structure the episode around this like timeline of they it's Monday morning and they're doing a thing Thursday and then they just like lose a whole day. Um, But we anyway, the part where Josh tells Danny how to get the siege in bed. Oh yeah, yeah. I was just saying, like when they go outside, it's the middle of the night. Yeah, it's it's it weird that, that they're walking when they I walk think around. He was like, "Meet me later when I walk to my car." Oh, uh, maybe that was it. Um, but it seemed like they were just gonna like go leave. Yeah, that's what I thought too. They actually they're walking in front of the um the OEOB, which is actually now the EEOB. It's oh the, really? It's the ex- Eisenhower Executive Office Building now. What did OEOB stand for? I think it was the old Executive Office Building. Literally, the word old? Yeah. No way. <laughs> and now it's the Eisenhower Executive Office Building, and it's a really nice building. It's like the uh, it looks cooler than the White House, I think. Yeah, all those buildings are like <laughs> yeah. nice, even if they're not the White House. The, the, then they kind of like talk shop for a little while. Danny has a lot of insight into what's going on here. Lillian feels a jackass. But he's not stupid. If he's talking, he's got something. What? Whatever it is, a small potato is just enough to get the rock rolling down the mountain. 
um, and gives Josh like a pep talk. Josh, this is one of those times, man. Don't screw this up. You to man. You to man. Deal with it. <laughs> fix it. No fix it. <laughs> <laughs> and then, uh, yeah, Josh gives Danny like a tip. CJ likes goldfish. What? She likes goldfish. Can't get enough of them. Thanks. So, like, I'm sure we're all familiar with the confusion that this creates but that aside what kind of lame suggestion like oh yeah get get your girl some cheese doodles yeah, like, oh, it's yeah. such a lame gift she, but she really likes them like we know she likes pearls I mean, she, there's lots of things yeah, we already but know that's that expensive. she likes yeah, Whatever, this you know, is like, like a, a entry cracker. level gift. You get a cracker snack for yeah, real. Get her, get her some Pringles. If someone knew a snack I but really what if you liked, don't like, Pringles? that would be a really nice thing. This podcast is brought to you by Pringles, Snacker Jacks, Can't just have Nabisco. Just Elise likes uh, gross tomato chips. <laughs> <laughs> Not normally. I just I don't know why I mm-hmm. couldn't stop eating them. Here's the important question: Goldfish or cheddar bunnies? Mm. Oh boy. <laughs> I think cheddar bunnies, cheddar bunnies because they're more pungently they cheddar. cheddar. Yeah, cheddar. but at least at least get your lady something with chocolate in it. You know, get her like a dessert snack. Not if you're into that. I would choose. Okay, this is controversial. She can't get of them. Not if you're. Into I would that. think I would choose goldfish over chocolate. I would always rather have. Crackers. No, no. This isn't about what you'd rather snack on. This is about. What would get you thinking like a sensual romantically about gift. a guy when he gives it to you and like yeah, buy her like buy her like an eggplant or uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like a big squash of any type. <laughs> yeah, like yeah, an exactly. apple pie, cucumber, some kumquats. <laughs> yeah, no, no. I mm-hmm. think I think like something that is more romantic is maybe too forward, but I but also this guy's been asking her out like yeah. every single For, day. Forward is not a concern here. No, but it's cuter. Goldfish is way cuter than chocolate. Take note, fellas. What about what about those little koala bites? Koala yummies? Koala yummies. That would be awesome. Or dunkaroos. Yeah, dun- come on now. But Ooh. I don't think that's that's infantilizing though. Yes. Yeah. Uh, okay. <laughs> Like you know, I like what I like, and, but and, and goldfish are not. Have you not read? Have you not read the chapter in the game about what snacks to buy your lady to get her in the mood? So Dunkaroos <laughs> is not one of them, yeah. but I guess like Dunkaroos is like if you got a snack from like childhood, so like Cracker Jacks would be like a cute thing, and Dunkaroos is my childhood, so that's why I like them. But CJ, I think, was too old for Dunkaroos. Sorry, Allison, Janie, you're not old. I mean, let's just go with Shark Bites. Maybe done with it. Oh, gushers! Gushers! That's a sexy. Yeah, that is very sexy. No, that's yeah, gross. That's too suggestive. <laughs> yeah. Also, like not that mm, great of a mm-mm. snack. No, gushers are great. Get her some Kool Aid. That's what that makes me think of. Although some Fun Dip. Fun Dip is good. No, though in in the, <laughs> she the particular can lick it off the stick suggestive. You probably, don't, <laughs> you probably don't want a bunch of powdered sugar in the particular climate the White House is experiencing right, right now. Right, the drugs. <laughs> Pop rocks too would be also rocks. Probably want to avoid that. Oh, yeah. The crack, crack, crack like drugs. Yeah, crack. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Always ruining everything. Yeah. They go in. They show Bartlett and Toby and Sam in the Oval Office after that, and they're reviewing this paper. So, the, and this is another thing where like the day went away because Sam comes in. He says, "We need the next five minutes with the president," and then it's the middle of the night by the time they're talking again. 
Sam is uh really uh haggard looking in this scene. His like tie is like down to his belly button almost untied. He uh they're going over this anonymous note. Mr. President, this paper is in no uncertain terms an argument that privacy is not a right guaranteed by the Constitution. You want to talk about it, Jason, about kind of what the the note implies? Yeah, it's, I mean that's it. You know, um cool. a lot Thank of this you. stuff in the Moving Constitution on. is like, you know, there. And then some people are like, no, it's not there. <laughs> or the other way around. Don't it's teach. like, and that stuff ain't there. And I mean, I really, the fight they're having <laughs> is what, what is the default if something isn't in there? Does it mean the government can regulate it or can't regulate it? This seems a really hard thing to overlook or slash hide over a long judicial career that would get you in consideration for the Supreme Court. He didn't sign the note, bro. But if no, I'm not saying the particular okay, of this note, good. but if that's your basis of your legal philosophy, wouldn't that like intend to come through in almost every decision that you make throughout a long career? Yeah. So if you're on the Court of Appeals, the level just below the Supreme Court, you know, you're probably going to encounter sticky cases a lot more where the law is not settled and you kind of have to opine on what you believe. If you're a district court judge, oftentimes you're going to encounter a case where you're just applying the decisions and precedents of the higher courts. And so you could get away with hiding behind applying precedent so as to intentionally hide your personal views. Starry Dices. Starry Dices. And, <laughs> I know, uh, got one. <laughs> it's, well, I thought, you were, I thought you were kidding. It's Starry Dices. But <laughs> close enough. Regardless. I don't speak Latin. <laughs> I yeah, I don't even know what either of those things are. Yeah, it's explain. precedent. Oh. The president? Deference to <laughs> the status quo. This is a well-known strategy that people who have aspirations to be Supreme Court judges will employ. They'll intentionally try to say as little as possible because they have no idea what's going to be controversial or not controversial. And the, le- the less their opinions are publicized the less controversial their nomination would be in, in their appointment process. This is so, known as um, talk shit, get hit. I think they call this. Yeah, I mean, I haven't heard it that way, but yeah. yeah like, no, that's what I've heard. Justice Kagan was notorious for this, where she kind of had uh, engineered her entire career as a professor at Harvard Law School, where she just never espoused her personal beliefs. She barely wrote anything that was even really controversial. Wasn't it Kagan that said, uh, you don't start no shit, there won't be no shit? Oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. She's Hmm. great. Very eloquent, Mm -hmm. a jurist. Mm -hmm. Uh, Toby thinks it's going to be fine. He wants a victory for the White House uh, more than anything. Like He seems very uh, flip about the consequences of this decision, because presumably he cares about this particular thing that a judge would have to do over time and he just doesn't care um sam is like we're this guy this is like disqualifying and then bartlett like wants to talk to him in person so they set up a meeting for later um there's a leo and staff meeting after that um or leo is like with his like understaff it's it's one of those scenes where there's like seven people who like have never been on the show before and will never be on it again i guess they're one of the 1300 random people that work in the white house that, the uh, that are mostly drug yeah like drug what, doers. two of them would have been on drugs at that time yeah um and then they set up the meeting for men he wants he, the president says that he wants to bring mendoza in too uh just while while they're bringing judges in Give might as well mendoza. bring this one too after that they show outside of the oval office it's like 
I guess this is the next day now. Like they had prepped for it all night so that Sam and Toby could question this Harrison guy. Yeah, and they're also bringing Mendoza in. Wednesday morning now. Yeah. The scene. Yeah. Toby uh, and Mandy and Sam are sitting outside like the Oval Office and they're going to they're sneaking Mendoza in uh, under pretenses. They had this whole like bit about how Mandy had to make fake letterhead for some fake committee <laughs> to bring him in. That's pretty funny. Uh, that made me like Mandy more than anything else in this episode. So I feel like they're kind of missing the point here, which is it's not your biggest concern here isn't that you have to trick the the nominee so that he doesn't know why he's coming to the White House. It's that you have to trick the press because they're going to immediately go, oh, okay, a judge is coming to the White House. Well, no, <laughs> Obviously. I mean, they don't know. The nominee could also mention something to the press. Yeah, yeah. Like but accidentally. The, but that's even. something where you can just coordinate with him and go like, in case you're asked, this is what we're saying to everyone. But like, it's the they're not going to see the letterhead. Like, that's less of a concern. And your biggest concern is something that the press will believe. And this is clearly and, yeah, and making up some fake yeah, this <laughs> organization. Is this is so obviously like Danny Kincannon is already writing the story, like Mendoza being considered Mandy indicted for forgery. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they have that uh, scene with Harrison in the Oval Office, and uh, Bartlett shows him the the note and verifies its authenticity, and then he says, uh, "Toby and Sam are going to ask you a few questions." <laughs> it's like basically like. They pan over and like Sam's like sparking up a car battery and <laughs> Toby's hanging some chains out. Wait, so is this the scene where, where where's the scene where they're waiting to be called in to this talk is, to uh, Harrison? Yeah, so they they say he's gonna we're gonna bring in these guys and then okay. uh, Josh pulls Toby out of like the outer office. Yeah, and um, this, this is, the best is where, scene, right? This is where they uh they kind of they have a little bit of a. Uh, fight with each other josh feels left out that he didn't get told about this note he doesn't acknowledge the protection hang on a second when were you gonna tell me this number one i don't report to you toby number two he wrote the paper a quarter century ago which made me wonder like what what's toby and josh's beef right now they seem like they're like not doing well together <laughs> they were such good buddies they had the parks thing last week <laughs> yeah i think I th- it's this drug thing it's sort of <laughs> wedging a knife between them well i i mean i think it's that Toby is playing the role in this episode of let's just get like a a feather in our cap. Mm -hmm. It doesn't really matter if it's substantive. I'm not focused on that. Let's have a win. Yes. Whereas Josh is having a problem with the, with the way that they've adapted to their, their power. Yeah. He's struggling with like, when, why do we want this guy? We, we, we used to never want this guy. Now we're all, excited about this guy what happened he's actually kind of taking mandy's advice last week to heart a little bit about like fighting the fights for the wrong reasons yep right and i think throughout the whole episodes uh the the theme is sort of like not taking the easy way out anymore not doing something because doing what's right instead of what's uh like presentable to the public and that's really what the what justice crouch raises Mm -hmm. that's been the theme of the sort of angel's versus demons stuff that was happening with Toby and the president earlier. And I just really love, like the line that Josh uses is so efficient from a writing point of view. It's, when did we get the idea that Harrison was our guy? When we used to talk, it was never Harrison. Mm. That just says it all. It's great. A Supreme Court justice is an extremely odd thing to be like, this is one we can skate by on. <laughs> Like, oh yeah! Last week he was like willing to like veto like a banking bill they were supposedly psyched about for a national park so thing. You would think that this is where ideology should be the biggest consideration, right? It's yeah. just like a 
30-year appointment. Look at what is going on right now with Merrick Garland and the Obama administration, where it's clearly a tactical pick that's certainly not the the Democratic Party's or liberal constituency's first choice for who they would want appointed to the Supreme Court. It is purely about a tactical political maneuver to put the Republicans in the Senate in a bad position. And that's what they're doing here with Harrison. They're like, oh, Harrison will sail through like on a, a unanimous confirmation. And what we care about most here is not looking weak. Right. I feel like uh, Garland is a closer ideological equivalent to Obama than this guy is yeah, to Bartlett, a, though. He's a centrist. Right. Also, right. And with... pragmatic and like calm. And sure. Obama has all those qualities. Whereas this guy and Bartlett fundamentally disagree, it comes out in this next scene. And Toby like just is like, up, oh, screw it. <laughs> we we pick this guy. We don't want to like have a day of bad press for the next thirty years of Supreme Court opinions. It's, it's kind of crazy. It is more than that. It's like if the Senate doesn't confirm him, or even worse, in a lot of ways, if it's a close vote, now you have individual senators who could tip the balance one way or the other, asking for favors. Mm. The White House has to give out the favors. People realize that there's horse trading going on and it just makes the white house look like people who are like a pinata where you beat on them and they give you candy and it just it undermines their ability going forward to threaten and use their power to leverage support and he has an opposition congress too so it's already it's going to be a struggle getting someone past i don't know what the political climate was like in this sort of time if republicans would just be against anyone the democrats chose regardless of how no this is unprecedented what's going on now right yeah, so, yeah he would have got a vote at yeah. the very least so the i don't it seems like they care more about their approval ratings and maybe re-election they're just you know making people happy at this point than with a big important decision that they have to make clinton nominated ruth bader ginsburg in 93 to replace byron white and Let's see, her, she was confirmed, I'm assuming you'll edit this part out. <laughs> Why edit it out when there's such a good background track playing? <laughs> Ginsburg was confirmed by a Republican Senate 96 to 3. I really don't think, given her philosophy, that would happen nowadays yeah uh, probably not so even the 90 vote threshold wouldn't have been the best vote in the world that they were it's a slam dunk at 90 they said hmm. after that there's a leo and josh scene um it's unscheduled like uh it seems very serious uh, from the startup josh closes the door behind him and then they uh they have that joking around about how josh got a confession i was interrogating this intern from the legislative liaison's office and she broke down crying while telling me about a bong she had made out of an eggplant. You can do that? I used to use a potato. You've always been industrious. Josh must have... He was a, what, frat guy we already learned. So I yeah. guess <laughs> frat bongs. Yeah. That's a thing, right? And Josh, I think, would totally be down with lighting up now. This Lillian Field guy is after Leo, Josh suspects. Were you maybe into something that wasn't so acceptable? Pills. Yeah, he did the pills. <laughs> just, yeah. just any any pills, really. I did all the pills. That's, says, a, that's a pretty broad range of drugs, just right? Like pills. Yeah, yeah. Just, just pills. I prefer gel caps. 
Um, yeah, he's also saying that the worst kept secret in Washington is that Leo is an alcoholic or recovering alcoholic, but it seems like the pills was the better kept secret. Right. He, they, he was in rehab. Were you in treatment? Sarah Toussaint six years ago. That this guy Lillian Field has the records. Uh, and when Josh tells him that, Leo is like shocked. He like slumps in his seat and just kind of stares forward for a little while. So what's interesting about this is I think they're sort of, you're supposed to get that this is the conclusion that Josh came to after meeting with Danny. And that doesn't make sense. It's um, a big leap to take. Well, he, Danny says that like, yeah, I think it's like kind of a process of elimination. Yeah. He's it's going just for like something like bigger than. Right just the supreme court nomination but to i feel like that sort of takes a lot of maybe courage or moxie to go to your boss the chief of staff and be like what else were you addicted to Mm -hmm. (laughs) that's like a scary move yeah he tells leo these like he has these records already and i don't think he knows that at this point yeah he seems pretty devastated about it Mm -hmm. yeah i mean it's it's definitely a big deal i guess like it would be a big deal for that kind of story to come out josh tells leo like you're leo mcgarry you're not gonna be taken down by this small fraction of a man the way he reaches out and he like he's very handsy with him he like he like taps on his yeah josh is like kind of coked up in the scene (laughs) i won't allow it yeah and then he's like he's like batting his fingers on his uh, chest. By the way, I, I got to correct something here. So Ginsburg was confirmed by the Senate uh, 93 to 7. But at that time, it was a Democratic-controlled Senate. I guess in 94, it switched over in the mm-hmm. midterm. Um, but it was only uh, 50... It was 53% Democrat, uh, 47% Republican. So... A huge number of Republican yeah, senators voted for her, yeah. even when it wasn't necessary for them to do so. So, But Harriet Myers. She <laughs> never even got a vote. She never got a vote, man. So she just won an up or down vote on that? Harriet Myers. Well, they polled her nomination. <laughs> yeah. They go into the Oval Office and uh, Sam and Toby and the president are quizzing this Harrison guy. And he, he it's kind of the same thing we talked about a little bit but like this guy's like a strict constitutionalist uh enumerated powers judges are bound to interpret the constitution within the strict parameters of the text itself the constitution doesn't provide for a right of privacy the right doesn't exist uh, i i honestly i had no idea how this like wouldn't wouldn't have come out it's almost like they have never had a conversation with him right they, yeah when you have asked him this is that he's I, super cocky too when he is talking to them and very strongly believes what he believes so you would think that this would come out yeah, he's like i'm not used to this type of questioning <laughs> right and he sort of alludes to the fact that they they courted him um and he is almost doing them a favor by taking this position Mm -hmm. and like you think that this would have come up or he wouldn't be like trying to hide it because he doesn't even seem to care well he he probably probably came off a lot better before when from his point of view all of his publicly known views were compatible with this administration right that's true and they were probably walking on eggshells a lot when they spoke to him it seemed to me like it was sort of a defense mechanism of like oh is this gonna like screw up my nomination like 
and he was pushing back on that instead of sort of admitting he had certain views, but kind of saying, well, you know, we're allowed to have some differences of opinion. He he didn't have like a mature reaction to it. Yeah, I, and it's like, dude, neither your dad nor his dad could come up with a, their own name. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so what kind of puzzled me about the scene where Sam is like... Third Amendment says soldiers can't be quartered in private homes. The fifth provides protection against self-incrimination and the fourth against unreasonable searches. Do you deny the right to privacy lives in those passages? That's kind of the big one, right? Like the Fourth Amendment, this is what it says. It says, the right of the people to be secure in their persons, houses, papers, and effects against unreasonable searches and seizures shall not be violated and no warrant shall issue but upon probable cause supported by oath or affirmation and particularly describing the place to be searched and the persons or things to be seized. So like, I don't really, that's kind of what you want to lead with maybe. That's pretty broad. That's pretty broad. And it says your person houses papers or effects. How does that not extend to any any personal effects you have that are stored digitally or physical or whatever yeah all the including effects. just information about you yeah i like, like health records i like sam's uh speech at the end because he he kind of gives like a history of like what the like leading edge of the supreme court has been it's about the next 20 years 20s and 30s it was the role of government 50s and 60s it was civil rights the next two decades are going to be privacy i'm talking about the internet I'm talking about cell phones I'm talking about health records and who's gay and who's not Moreover, in a country born on the will to be free, what could be more fundamental than this? And I'm like, that's pretty on point right yeah, now. Kind of nailed they it. Did a, a like, rare yeah, cell phones, cell phones, the internet, and medical records. Yeah, <laughs> who's gay and who's not gay? Yeah, like, exactly. They, they really nailed it. Yeah, and uh, so it seems odd that this that Harrison is like making a textualist argument where he says, "Listen, you know, it's not the the government can't tell states." that they can't infringe on a right that's not expressly protected in the Constitution. But, like, that's BS. It's totally expressly protected in the Constitution. You don't really need, like, I, I think if you're a plain language, if you're interpreting the plain language of that amendment, it protects privacy. Period. Does it say anything about coffee creamer? <laughs> that it doesn't. And that actually, so what's weird about the structure of the scene is they kind of throw a win to Harrison because... He's actually right in how he deals with that question. That's almost the uh, big soda's law, right? Yeah, I mean, it's... there was—I no, doubt there was a constitutional argument raised against that law, right? <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Like some context there is. What about the use of cream in my coffee? Surely there can be no free speech argument to be made there. No. So you would have no objection to the state of New Hampshire passing a law banning the use of cream in coffee? I would have strong objection, Mr. President, as I like cream as well, but I would have no constitutional basis to strike down the law when you brought your case to the Supreme Court. There was a similar thing in the note that they read. I join Judge Black in so much as while enjoying my privacy, I am compelled to admit that government has a right to invade it unless specifically prohibited by some specific constitutional provision, unquote. Sam made a big deal about how he could identify him by the voice, and they, I think they intentionally put like a almost like a repeat of a sentence and that he says something that's in the note yeah that was a good scene there's the uh cj and danny are after that and uh danny cj has a stack of newspapers on her desk about the like subpoena goof you were right i know the word subpoena appears in the lead in every story in this morning's papers um and then he gives her the goldfish what are you holding it's goldfish why 
It's for you. Really? Josh said you like goldfish. <laughs> the crackers, Danny. The, the cheese things that you have at a party. <laughs> and she just like Which laughs. Is a fish. She laughs for the rest of the scene. Yeah, she she gives her a a real goldfish, not the crackers. In the fish tank. Yeah. So it's like something you have to feed instead of feeding yourself. Oh, it's like the opposite. It's the opposite, <laughs> which I think is maybe a downgrade. That's cute. Oh, oh no, it's no. like cute. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Mm. I don't want a fish. She she decides she's gonna keep it anyways though. Uh, she really likes that it's named Gail. His name's Gail, by the way. The fish? Yeah. You named it Gail? No, the guy in the store. <laughs> she gives him a kiss for the fish, which is uh, I guess yeah, whatever. Yeah, totally and then he doesn't him ask her out. Yeah, smooth. Yeah. Way yeah, right. It's it's part of the game. Once they want to go out with you, yeah. then you cut it off. <laughs> now she's kind of nagging him here because she's basically derisively laughing at him. Yeah, she's really cute in this scene, though. She's like so excited about it, and she like stares at it. Um, I, yeah, I think she likes the fish. <laughs> yeah, she. I think she probably wouldn't have kissed him if he'd given her goldfish. That's a beach for sure from the siege. <laughs> 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 yeah they frame that scene with the oval office stuff but uh we already talked about that 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 guy calls sam a kid some kid now you have me taken to school by some kid <laughs> that sam is young drives me nuts too but he took you out for a ride sir because that's what i told him to do i thought that was funny then the president excuses this guy out of the oval office and they all stand up and this guy is like seven foot tall <laughs> he's a he's a foot taller than anybody else in the room i tried to find out who was the tallest supreme court justice in history no information available <laughs> did you check celeb supreme court justice there was all these people uh ruth Bader ginsburg's like five foot tall i don't think she was the tallest no no I, and then no. there was there's a guy in the minnesota supreme court who used to be a football player and he's like six four so he might be that's sizable yeah. taft taft was tall right I, I I don't know. Oh, yeah, <laughs> I didn't take that course. Yeah, you didn't learn that in law school. <laughs> hmm. What did they? Did you learn about lawyers there? We did learn that he had a giant dick. Though. <laughs> really? That's standard. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, I love that you kind of believe that. I mean, it was just a a colloquial story. Yeah, yeah. I mean that's first year. <laughs> Sam, Sam says we got we gotta ditch this guy. Put him on a bus. Then Toby's like still wants to keep him. Um, yeah, Toby's lost Toby lost his sucks, way. Sucks, man. Yeah, Toby sucks in this episode. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Sam gives a speech, and then they 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 bring in. Uh, they want to bring in Mendoza after that. Um, but first, they cut to Mandy and Josh. Mandy is kind of just worried about selling uh, somebody like Mendoza, as like she's looking forward to the easy confirmation and like the good optics of this other guy. But Mendoza is going to be a tougher sell. But then she goes through his like history, and it seems like it's a pretty good sell. It's like kind of like the Soda Mayor path. It's like yeah, he's like an underdog. Yeah, he's like from New York. Uh, he was in the army for a while. I don't think Soda Mayor was in the army, he but he's a police officer, yeah. right? Oh, was he? It was uh, yeah, oh, it was police officer. Police, police officer. Okay, I misheard that. Yeah, yeah, I just heard he got shot, so I assumed he was in the army. <laughs> army, yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, he, he paid his own way through law school. He, he, yeah, he seems like he did everything. Right. He seems like it'd be a guy you could sell. Yeah, he you seems know, like a better candidate than the other guy who's like, you know. I guess I noticed wasp. in this scene, and I guess in a lot of Mandy scenes, she's just so humorless. 
they don't like give her any jokes you know the joke she had at the end of this scene was when she agreed with josh was i still hate you right (laughs) yeah like okay no it's not a joke i'm saying it's terrible it's not funny at all like she's just complaining i i kind of had like a small insight into the the mandy character in this scene and that most of the time she's not actually arguing for the things she's arguing for she's just trying to make her job easier so it's not that she's like she thinks mendoza would be a better justice and I think if she had the choice without any of the work, she would pick him. But she just doesn't want to do the work. So she's more like lazy than anything else. Or at least she's trying to make things easier for herself. Yeah. It's it's not a... She's maybe not so bad. She's just like kind know, of expedient. I don't know, people love Edward James Olmos. Edward yeah, he, James? Almost. 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 He, uh, he, he shows up in the next episode. He's walking through the hallway. He's got a sweet stash. And then somebody, some random person says, who is that? And then Margaret says, that's Roberto Mendoza. I was like, thanks, Margaret. <laughs> uh, I, we had to learn his name somehow. And just if having somebody point to, him, point to him and yell it out <laughs> is one way to do it. You, that person. I, wish, I just want to mention your comparison of Mendoza to Sotomayor. And what I hadn't known until recently was, yes, she came from humble upbringing, uh, but after high school, went to Princeton University on a full scholarship and then went to Yale Law School, which are which is some badass pedigree. I mean, that's better yeah. pedigree than even Harrison in this episode. He went to Exeter. Yeah, Exeter. But he was a dean of Harvard Law School. Oh, did they say that he was a dean? Yeah. I thought he just went there. <laughs> no, he, w- he went there, was the editor of the Law Review and dean later. Yeah. Harvard Law. But Yale, man. But is it like Yale and Harvard are always switching back and forth between the first and second slot kagan is a harvard person she too, was right? like the she was a dean at, at harvard i don't know if she was the dean um maybe but yeah she kind of has that uh, academic background mm. but so did my after graduating from yale law school was an assistant da which i guess is sort of like being yeah, a police, police officer service, yeah. but nowhere near as uh being humble a police officer and it's policey. Well, there's usually two sides to the law. There's <laughs> the, it's the cops that make the arrests, and then the what's the intro to Law and Order? How's it going? Yeah. Um. <laughs> they go inside uh, the mural room after that, and it's Harrison and Charlie. And uh, Harrison's kind of freaked out that Charlie's there and asks him to leave. And then um, on the way out, he notices him, and they imply that they have a history, kind of. You look very familiar. Is it possible we've met? I caddied for three summers at Sandy Hook, sir. Of course. Charlie Young. Charlie, of course. So I thought this was going to lead to more, but is it just, we're just not supposed to like him because he doesn't remember Charlie? He does. He goes, oh, Charlie. He, but yeah. Of course, Charlie. Once you said your name, I totally remembered like it. It was sort of a weird scene. Like, yeah. I thought it was, there I, was going to be I thought a follow-up. There was a, another scene there, too. But I think another thing similarly happens in a later episode where there yeah. is follow-up. Yes. Well, I, th- I thought that this was that episode, and I was like waiting for it, right. and it didn't happen, so I was very unsatisfied with the scene. Um, after that, they have they swap judges in the Oval Office, so they bring Mendoza in, and they're making small talk about his resume. Um, he makes Bartlett laugh. Judge Mendoza, I have a note that your rulings have been upheld by the Court of Appeals more than any other district judge in the country. Well, that's what comes from being right most of the time, I guess. <laughs> by being like kind of smug in a funny way um and then uh leo pulls the president out tells him about the 
rehab stuff that's going to be coming out soon. Bartlett says that they'll they'll stick through it and they they kind of just leave that there. They don't really develop that plot line much other than like setting up that it's going to be a thing later. And then back in the Oval office, everybody's like pretty satisfied, it seems like. Toby asked him about the drug test case, like a theoretical one. I had a question about that one. How often do you think that people in the White House anticipate cases in which they're going to be coming up as defendants and things to and then pick justices that they have pre-cleared those answers with? <laughs> I mean, that happens all the time. And of course, in the press, they would adamantly deny that. And this is where the whole witness test thing comes in, that it's somehow like, you know, inappropriate to ask a Supreme Court nominee, like, what would you do in this specific case or in this particular issue? And that's just ridiculous. Like the idea that you would, what el- what else can you go on other than if their policy preferences or if they're if you want to try to buy into the whole thing and say, does their judicial philosophy result in outcomes that align with your policy preferences? But no, I think a lot of judges, especially at a lower level where there's uh, less like lower court judges are less often interpreting the Constitution and more often just applying existing precedents and statutes and contracts uh, to get a particular outcome. And a lot of times it's kind of a toss up and those judges have to decide how to resolve it when the law kind of goes either way and they decide it based on their preferences for what they think is the most just outcome. And that's what we want them to do. So asking a judge how they would decide in particular cases should be the final deciding factor in what makes a good judge in whatever opinion you The implication from the outside is that the president and his Supreme Court justices have never spoken to each other. Like, that's, like, almost the impression oh, that well, you get. Oh, well, once they're seated, they should not be talking but to like each other about But, like, even beforehand, like, they say, like, Merrick Garland or something. It doesn't seem like Obama has asked him, like, how would you decide oh, uh, a cell phone case I or whatever. I would be shocked if they haven't had, like, I know. incredibly frank conversations about that stuff behind closed doors. It just doors. never is implied that, oh, we spoke for six hours last, not, last week, and I've come to know this yeah. person. It's, like... Look oh, at his well, history, and obviously, he's... Yeah, Obama's like, what? What do you think? Well, what if like the president like did Benghazi? <laughs> well, and Merrick Garland's like, that's cool. What about so with Harrison though? It seems like they really didn't speak to him that much, maybe. Or but was... they said they've vetted him for four yeah. months. It's, yeah, when but I that say... could just be doing like research about him. Yeah, yeah. Too. When, I, when I say that like Obama talks to Merrick Garland, it may not be him personally more than maybe an hour or two spread out. It's like he has senior staff in maybe White House counsel or in his uh, political strategy people that are talking to him, reading everything he's ever written, asking any questions they want of him. And then not only does that happen, but then when some nomination is actually made, the nominee has to go to every single senator and meet with them for pretty much however long that senator wants to talk to them. That sounds exhausting. And just like kiss so much ass. And not say anything because if he slips oh, just like, once yeah. with one person that is, has a vendetta for is you. Is this separate from the like questions that they ask them? To a certain extent, it's kind of like a like a. It's like more of a one. It's private preview. though. It's private, and I think that it probably is a more honest conversation. But a lot of times, senators use it as a way of kind of testing if I'm going to oppose this nominee. Do I? Are is it going to play well in the press when I ask him this gotcha question, or are they going to one up me? It's hard to believe that would even happen nowadays, though, with the Republicans just 
saying that they're going to not like to vote down anyone that Obama puts up. Yeah, but when if there's actually a hearing, and I, it's very rare that they won't even allow there to be a hearing. It's really if they filibuster the up or down vote. So during the hearing, the Republicans need to try to like trick the nominee into giving bad answers to tough questions so that they can point to that and and explain why they're justified in put it you know uh torpedoing the nomination so it's all theater it's all uh politics um and the personal meetings are sort of a way for everyone to like size each other up i wish you could see that more that would be way more interesting than the hearing yeah that's why we have the west wing (laughs) (laughs) yeah so bartlett seems pretty satisfied after they they vetted this other guy for four months uh they had one meeting with this guy and they're they're that's enough for them. Yeah, and he's straight up like, you know, like we, like we didn't really want you at first. Tomorrow evening at five o'clock, I am naming you as my nominee to be the next Associate Justice of the United States Supreme Court. You were not the first choice, but you are the last one and the right one. Is that necessary, though? We didn't want you, but now we're going to do well, it remember instead. When Toby found out that he wasn't the first choice, he flipped. So I guess while you're like on that high of getting the nomination, it's like you can slip it in there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And also, you know, it's possible that some of the press could report that he wasn't the first choice because Danny clearly knows that he wasn't. Yeah. So it's better to hear from the horse's so he, mouth. He asks him and he says yes immediately it's just the first words out of his mouth is yes i i will accept the nomination so the fact that they had to call this other guy is like four or five times that josh was josh had to orchestrate a series of phone calls is a really really bad sign um this is obviously how it would turn out it's like do you want to be a supreme court justice yes yes okay i'll do it Um, i'll do it i'll do the judge thing and edward james almost is so good in this role he plays it so well he's so like humbled and I don't know. It was a very like emotional scene, I thought. Yeah, uh, they leave it that the confirmation is going to be tough. And then um, as they're walking out of the office, there's like an applause line, um, which is it's, it's which is weird. Very weird. Yeah, it's not like he bought an iPhone and they, on the first day or anything <laughs> like that. It doesn't they didn't, deserve... like, tell the press yet? Right, that's going to give it away. Yeah. If Well, I guess the yeah, press the isn't press necessarily back there. Yeah. But Danny could be back there. But then the press will be like, where is everybody? Because they're that all... What's that applause? Yeah, they're all like at the Oval Office. Yeah, uh, and that's the end of the scene. Uh, and then the credit shot is uh, everybody standing up after he accepted the nomination, like handshaking and stuff like that. If you're going to use uh, Edward James almost in your show, you, you put him in the credits. You already paid for the man. <laughs> Get him on screen as much yeah. as possible. Ratings gold. Edward James almost. Um, yeah, that's the episode. Uh, so now we got some headlines. 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 Anybody want to start? Um, I had a lot of things about the drugs. I did the drugs. Yeah, that drugs. was the funniest. One. I did drugs. Um, I'll start with one. I guess. Um, I wrote China White House. Oh, like the drug. Like the drug. Yeah. China Wait, White. what it's drug like is that? Like a street name for like I think heroin. Heroin. Yeah. Mm. So I I went a slightly different direction and did White Powder House. Ooh, like the drug. White horse? That's a thing, right? Ooh. Just horse, I think. Okay. That works. <laughs> that works. Um, <laughs> White lines. I had uh, Lillian Field weeds out staffers. 
Ooh. Mm. Weed. Weeded them out. Also, super appropes that we're taping this episode on 420. <laughs> so I called um I called the staffers Jedheads. Or you could or you could call them <laughs> the Grateful Jed. Or you could just say like um Dead Head of State or like Head Shop Estate. <laughs> <laughs> And there you could be like flower power in the rose garden because they're doing oh. drugs there. <clears throat> I like that one. Very whimsical. Yeah. yeah. I, in that vein, also I had in that vein, I had uh, commander and chief. Oh, I had commander and Cheech. <laughs> <laughs> what about the one third compromised? Anyone? Oh, oh like that political thing in the history. Yeah. <laughs> Slavery. Yeah. Um, so I had um, some things about the Supreme Court nomination. No, too. we didn't do. We're more not drugs. there yet. Yeah, more we're, drugs? On, we're doing the drugs. Keep more. doing the yeah, drugs. drugs. Yeah. I called him Oval Office Face. And you could do something like LSDC. Mm. Mm-hmm. Actually, one about drugs, but it was crackpots in crack. Congress. And these women. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Maybe that was sort of like incepted in my brain from the last one. Okay. Just have one more. <laughs> I call him the leader of the free base world. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I had uh, really good. opiate office, POTUS PK proclivities. Wow. These were excellent, guys. And I, I might as well do my last one, which is Quaaludes. Staffer proclivities run the gamut. <laughs> Quaaludes. Okay, so are we good on drugs? Yeah, we're so good. We did it. Um, good drugs, guys. Yeah, I'm good on that. You can put it out. Oh, I have. So Joseph Crouch is the guy who's retiring from the Supreme Court. So I have Joseph Crouchity. <laughs> he's kind of crouchy yeah, and old. He's old. Um, And then... So Harrison, his name is Peyton Cabot. So I said, something's funky with Cabot, like the cheese. <laughs> because, like if people got wind that, you know, things weren't going so well. Okay, I got to judge one. Okay. Um, it's Danny, uh, since he knew the other guy was going to, Cabot was going to be the nominee, but it got taken away from him. Cabot can't have it. Nice. Mm. <laughs> Um, I also have Mendoza throws Congress for a doozy, but I was trying to do like Mendoza. 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 Yeah. Mendoza. I had embarrassing. <laughs> oh, Harrison. Harrison. Oh. Harrison. Oh. Harrison. Harrison. It's, Guys. It's vi- visual one. You have to spell it out. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's one of those visual ones. Yeah. Cool. Cool stuff, guys. Okay. Hey, thanks for doing this stuff. Oh wait, didn't we have like a hmm? a late entry in the oh, b- what's had, in your pocket? We did have a, Mr. President or you something like, to see me. We had contest? a reader reader entry. Yeah, we had someone write in about um, answering our question a little late about what would you carry in your pocket if you were president. One of the things was um, a tamagotchi. A tam- yeah, tamagotchi. Yeah, a laser pointer. Um, oh, this is from listener Dan. For a, <laughs> a switchblade comb. Oh, for a second I was nervous. Yeah, no, just the comb. <laughs> yeah, it's so you they have the illusion of being. I mean, a cool co- badass. Greaser. Tough press. Combs are really sharp. Okay. Yeah. I mean, if you have a metal, like they comb. look sharp when you flip it out. And you're like, <laughs> yeah. they do look, look sharp. At, look at that. Um, 
Yeah, this is so you could cool, do like a cool like yeah. Danny Zuko Boom. like yeah. comb hair. And That's then cool. I, I think it's my favorite um one out of his answers was a Joe Biden friendship bracelet. Oh. Um Does he well, make why those? Is, you probably should be wearing So that, he said basically things I could win with tokens from a good run of ski ball, except the Biden friendship bracelet, which is priceless. Mm. Right? Mm. Biden. That Thanks. friendship runs deep. Mm. But yeah, I Thanks, thought that Dan. was really good. Also, Tamagotchi's rule, and I would totally have one if I was president. Because what else are you going to do all day? <laughs> yeah, what I'm president, I'm bringing it back. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. You guys got final thoughts on this one? I give this a best wing. Yeah, best yeah. wing. Oh, yeah, best oh, wing. Yeah. Chess wing. I thought that um, it was the whole uh, Supreme Court nomination was really compelling storyline. Um, I loved that the sort of theme of the episode was let's not take the easy way out and just do what we think will get us approvals. Let's do what we think is right, even if it's hard. And I think that goes through like the whole episode, even with um, what's foreshadowing to come with Leo and the struggle that it's going to be to overcome the press about the pill addiction. And, you know, probably like people are going to want him fired for that and stuff. So I think they're, like sticking to their guns and doing what they think is the best thing for the greater good, even if it's difficult. Yeah. It's Agreed. Su- super good. Josh and Sam, uh, definitely real Sam this week. Yeah. Sam was on point this week. It's yeah. great. Uh, some really specific arguments, uh, that were not nonsense. So also pretty good <laughs> thumbs up there. <laughs> um, yeah, this one's just great. Like the pacing's great. Uh, there's like, pretty good plot structure like there's a bit of suspense but it's not like hokey at all like they're not purposely withholding things there's just like you find out information in a very interesting and digestible way uh yeah everything everything's solid about this one I, I like this one a lot good stuff good stuff informational <laughs>